When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. From the deafening metal bleachers of the Crunch Zone to the train horns at LM Stadium, from the Fiesta Bowl to ACC Championships, and all of the moments in between. The moments that made Louisville football program what it is today would not have happened without the players who made them come to life. Along the way, we fell in love with those who donned the red and black. If not for their performance on the field, then their individualities off of it. Feeling connection between a fan base and a player that can last a lifetime. Now we take a moment to look back, to reflect on those magical moments with the players who made them happen. From the Peak Seas podcast proudly presents, Where Are They Now? Broken by Trent Guy. Trent Guy turns the corner. Guy breaks a tackle. Hands for the end zone. Touchdown. We're on a collision course with the national championship, and only variable is time. Welcome into From the Pink Seats podcast, Jacob Lane, Vincent Lococo, Matt McGavick. Uh, we are entering into the off season, and we could go one of two ways, fellas. We can talk about lists. We can take quarterbacks. We can do our Mount Rushmore of global football. We can do all the, the hot takes that have been recycled for years and years. Way too early bold predictions. That's right. We could give our bold predictions. We could do depth charts. We could do transfer portal watches. There's all kinds of things you can do in the offseason. And all that stuff is great. We're going to continue to do that on this show. But what I'm really excited about is a new series. We've been talking about it for weeks now. Where are they now? 
Uh, we will connect with former Louisville football players from all eras to tell the story of what Louisville football has been and what it will be over the years to come. And we could not be more excited to kick this off tonight with a special guest, Lorenzo Molden. 2011 to 2014, there was no more intimidating force in the ACC, the AAC, and the Big East than Lorenzo Molden. The dreads, you have the full cage face mask, which there's not been anybody to rock it like that since. There's been the dark visor, all of it. That's the guy that you put off the bus to lead the way. Lorenzo Molden had one of the more interesting and storied careers in Louisville football, but also has had quite the career on and off the field since leaving Louisville in 2014, including stops in the NFL and now dominating the Canadian Football League. We are so excited to talk to Lorenzo Molden and ex- just experience through his eyes, through his um, his shoes, what the last 10 years have been like for him as a professional and that is exactly what this series will be over the next couple of weeks. We could not be more excited. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Fellas, this is what Louisville football is. It is really combining the eras and telling the story of how special of a program that we get to cover is. I know it's not the Alabamas, the Michigans, the Ohio States, but there's a tradition and, and a true history behind this program that that uh, I believe really deserves to be told during the offseason. Yeah. And and like you said, Jacob, uh, in the beginning of that interview, I mean, for you and I specifically, I mean, we saw Lowe's. I mean, obviously, Vince, you saw him, too, but we were in college like while we got to see him go to work and the rest of that defense just absolutely dominate people. And I know like we've already said multiple times in the history of this show. okay, this this is a great interview. This great show. This was legitimately one of one of my favorite interviews to do since we even started. This is just he's probably one of the most fun guests we've had. It, It was such a joy to have him on. Well, uh, two things I got out of that one, uh, uh, Matt just dissing our other guest over here. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I, this is this is a cool interview for me too. Like Lozo is one of those dudes that uh, I we talk about it in the interview. We, he's just one of the guys that we watched growing up as kids in uh, middle school and high school. And we're like, that's a guy we want to play like somebody with relentless effort, flies around with the football, gets after the quarterback. Uh, and he's a leader as well. You know, somebody you see who's vocal and it's the energy and how he reacted with fans after the game and, you know, everything about him, that whole era of Louisville Cardinals in general, the Lorenzo Malton, Devontae Parker, Peyton Sivas, uh, Russ Smith, guys like that. I mean, that's what my era thinks about when you think Louisville Cardinals for us. It truly was some of the best of the best times for Louisville football. Obviously, we were not there for the 80s and a lot of the early 90s uh, for some of those times, but we have seen the the ups and the downs of Louisville football, and those were certainly the ups with Lorenzo Molden. Where are they now? This is all about reconnecting with alumni. We are super excited to bring guests to you, Des Fitzpatrick, Trent Guy, a number of different players over the course of the next several weeks will make their uh, appearance and debut on this show. I can't encourage you enough to subscribe from the Pink Seats podcast, anywhere you get your shows from. Follow us on uh, YouTube at the State of Louisville, and be sure to check out the Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated, where you can check out Matt's work. Follow us on Twitter at Vincent Lococo, Jacob Lane 8 at Matt underscore McGavick at the state of Lou at UofL report. We can't thank you all enough for supporting the show. It is going to be a great summer. As you hear this, multiple episodes have dropped and we can't encourage you enough to go out and listen to those. Go ahead and, and jump in now as Lorenzo Molden joins the show.
it does not get any better than this. We start off episode one of the series of Where Are They Now with Lorenzo freaking Molden. I mean, look, when I'm in college, this is 20, you know, the height of, and Matt, you too, height of our college careers, yep. man. We're watching the year of the Cardinal unfold, and you're talking about Louisville going to the Sugar Bowl, seeing the, a place that we never thought Louisville would go. And this man right here, one of the most intimidating defenders on that team. And, and it's just incredible to get to sit down with you now. Lorenzo, my friend, welcome into From the Pink Seats podcast. How are you? I am freaking great. <laughs> I'm great, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm great. I'm great. This is an opportunity that I would not pass up, and I appreciate you guys for having me. Well, of course. And, and as we've kind of pointed out here in the intro, the whole the whole point of this is to tell some great stories of Louisville football through the years. And for us, this one kind of holds a special place, especially for for Matt and I. And I know for Vince, younger Vince probably watched that. Oh, team. no doubt. But man, you were one of the guys that all of us watching back in the day, like we remember the red dreads out of the helmet. We remember you making all the play. Yeah. <laughs> fu- I mean, we just that's somebody everybody tried to play like. So, I mean, it's just as cool for me as it is these two other guys. It is certainly something to be able to talk to. Like I mentioned, one of the most intimidating pass rushers and Louisville football history, really, when you kind of look at the numbers and look at the impact on the game. Um, and where I want to start uh, is with Coach Strong, right? I mean, for us, uh, we weren't in the media then covering Coach Strong. We don't really have that kind of personal knowledge like we do with, say, a Bobby Petrino, a Scott Satterfield, now a Jeff Brom, in terms of Matt and myself covering coaches and Vince obviously playing and coaching alongside of those guys. So tell us a little bit, give us some insight into what it was like playing for Coach Strong. We've heard some stories, but as one of the most you know dominant defenders and a guy that from a recruiting standpoint – comes in, you know, as a, I'm not going to say not touted. You obviously had great offers, but is uh, you develop along the course of your career. Tell me a little bit about Coach Strong and what it was like playing for him defensively. Uh, Coach Strong was like that, uh, that father figure, you know, it was more of a, uh, what, like, what you wanted to do for him other than what he wanted you to do for him. Uh, but it's what I wanted to do and like what a player would want to do for him. Um, it's the thing of understanding like he's a he's a coach that like like every other coach, they want the best out of you. They want the they want to be able to get uh, whatever they can out of you for the years that you're there and playing for Charlie Strong, man. It was like, man, it's just like he you wanted him to be that proud dad at the end of each game, at the end of each week. Um, and that's how I felt. That's how I, I don't, I can't speak for the other guys, but playing for him, like you just wanted him to be happy, be, be proud of you at the end of each week. So if that doesn't sum up everything, like, I don't know what can like, cause literally like I just wanted to play for him and him only. I heard a story. You might be able to confirm it. Uh, finesse. Do you remember him? He was, he was he a player on the finesse, team? Yeah. Finesse. Yeah. So he was working with me in 19 okay. under Satterfield and those guys. Okay. He told me a story one time of coach strong, you know, might maybe not liking the way y'all were stretching or something that day. And he like oh, blew the whistle man. up and had y'all line up at the goal line. Can you like elaborate on that story <laughs> in that day a little bit for me? Man, it was it was one of those days where everybody was tired. Every like we had just came off a loss and um, everybody was tired. Everybody was just like down in the dumps and he didn't he didn't like it at all. Um, it was actually 
it was actually he made us get on the line and we ran until he felt like <laughs> until he felt like he was like we were into it or not. But then I feel like uh, the, I don't know if it's the same story, but um, Coach Strong, he just he just said, you know what, everybody go back in. We're just going to start practice all over again. He yep. said he just basically oh, like we were we got we start we got into it we got into practice a little bit we got into the point of stretching but he made everybody go back into the locker room. you guys know where the practice field is away from the where, from the locker room so it was a further every, distance back yeah then too. yeah it was a further yeah yeah and he made everybody go back into the locker room and we started practice over so uh yeah it was um that was a rough day for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's like football players' worst nightmare. You know, yeah. coach always threatens oh, it. He's man. always like, "Oh, don't make me start practice over." And yeah, I, like, but you never, like, you would never. I would think that, like, never in my days of playing football that we would actually have to start practice over. And it, uh, that was the day. <laughs> how how bad were y'all stretching? <laughs> I like, like, very limp, very limp. It was uh, like guys, guys were like not into it. Uh, we could hear like um, at our at that time it was uh, it was Pat Moore. Pat Moore was our, uh, uh, our um, was our uh, strength coach, and um, you know, either either it's so bad. Cause it's like, it's either him that's gonna start us over, or it's gonna be Charlie Strong that start us over. Which one? <laughs> like, we gotta pick your poison. But at this point, it was um, at this point it was strong, and he saw how like again that, that's the whole mentality of a coach. Like, if you coming off a loss, you gotta come back ten times stronger. Now, and, now, which which one of them's idea was it for the military backpacks with the and filling it up with weights and stuff like that, and y'all running stadiums? Oh, I don't know. I I I didn't do that. I don't know. That wasn't <laughs> that, that wasn't my era. Hell no, not me, not me. <laughs> I gotta say though, how how intimidating slash what what's the word for you come in the gym at 7 30, 8 o'clock in the morning and coach strong, coach her, coach Moore are in there doing deadlifts twice the weight that you could imagine doing. It's just it, uh, can we can we curse? We we good? Can we curse? You do on what you right, listen, like, uh, we just oh, knew yeah. the, we just knew those weren't guys to fuck with. Like it's just <laughs> like these guys are like we know that these guys are mentally and physically uh, in shape. So it's just like all right, well if we can't keep up with these guys, we know they're gonna try and bust our chops for whatever they can because I'm like if they can do it, why can't we? And that was our mentality. Like that's again intimidating is an understatement. <laughs> Obviously, you hold uh, Coach Strong in a high regard. Describe him as a father figure. Played for him for most of your career at Louisville. Conversely, what was it like to play for Bobby Petrino for that one year? What what was what was the biggest? Oh, dropping your. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right, I'm that bad, bro. I won two games under the man. The I'm gonna let that? you. I'm gonna let you finish your question on that one. That's good. No, I mean, that the head, the head dropping just kind of says it all. <laughs> no, I mean, it's. I can't say too much about him because I was he the angry answer. stepdad while Charlie yeah, was the father figure? Yeah, that, that is that is that is a good that is a good way to, to put it. That's a good way to put it because it's just like he came into a program. Um, we were pretty good. We were, we were so, so, and, um, he just came in with the mentality that he wanted to win. And like, I mean, like I said, like any other coach and any other player would, um, me and Devonte Parker were the first ones to see him, um, when he first got into the uh, building and, um, 
he asked me a simple question like, uh, hey, Malden, do you like to win? I looked at Devontae, and I looked back at him. I said, coach, hell yeah, do you like to win? Like, <laughs> and he was like, oh, he said, yeah. And he looked at me. He looked at me for like a, probably about a good 10 seconds and then said, yeah, we're going to win. That's what we're going to do. I said, okay, say no more. Like, but then after that, didn't say anything else to the guy. Like, it was just, he was worried about his offense. He was worried about what they were doing, but then he was worried about the defense, but he never actually spoke to the defense. He actually spoke just to the defensive coaches and he's, and he like, he motherfucked all of the offense. So it's just like, you see, you see that. And I'm like, okay, dude. Um, yeah, I don't want, I want no parts of that. I don't well, know. let me ask you this. So that defense in 2014, not to fast forward too too far, but you know, it's obviously incredibly loaded in terms of production, right? So we obviously know what Gerard Holloman does breaks record from interception standpoint, James sample mm-hmm. yourself. You've got those linebackers. There's a, you know, it, it was a loaded defense Did he feel like in a way, cause I remember talking to Keith Kelsey a little bit about this years ago, he felt like he didn't need to speak to the defense. Like y'all had it, you know, and there was that mentality of coach strong that carried over of we're going to be professionals every single day. And we're coming ready to win regardless of who's the offensive coach. No doubt. No doubt. And I mean, putting it in, to that perspective yeah I, I can understand that um it was just the thing of like the players wanted to feel like their coach would could pat him on the back or like when we did something good he like i never seen him like get overly excited like how charlie did you know what i mean so like you go three years of one guy and then you meet another guy and he's nowhere near the guy that you were playing for before you start to you start to try and figure out like okay what can I do to make this guy happy like like he, he always <laughs> go play no. offense go play offense <laughs> go, don't play offense stay the hell on defense I mean but <laughs> like uh no man it was um it was it was kind of bittersweet it was like okay we had a we had a new coach all right we got it um we won a few games and it was like okay yeah but. I, again, like what they say about none of the players, some of the players didn't even know where his office was. That's that's true. Like he always had his like his office was in the same office as Coach Strong, but they did they started doing different things to the building, and nobody knew where to go. Nobody knew that because nobody nobody everybody was scared to go talk to him in his office by itself. That's so wild that that <laughs> yeah. carried over from. I mean, and it just progressively got worse because, I mean, the only time you'd go up there would be for your uh, end of the spring meeting. Yeah, like nobody break. wanted to talk to this guy. Like, I mean, yeah. he, he may be he may be a good guy off the field and everything, but, like, co- coach-wise, I was just like, uh, he's going to try and stay as far away as I can. Like, I'll hit him with a hey or a head nod when I see him, but then it's like, ah, when it's time for practice and everything, I'm just like, man, uh, Coach Grantham, where you at? <laughs> at least hit you with a, hey lorenzo hey malden i just got uh 52 and uh whenever i went to fullback 38 so i really just got to know. you're lucky we call you by your name around here anyways 58 let's look at these numbers man. Oh, man i mean you talk about a career for the record books uh, i mean 21 sacks 33 and a half career tackles for loss uh, it, I don't have to tell you that in terms of pass rushing at the time, I mean, dominant. Um, and as Louisville transitioned the one year in the AAC to the ACC, it never wavered. Even as a freshman getting in, 
you were always productive. And obviously, you know, there was this kind of aura around you that I think has been lacking for Louisville football for years. And that's that aggressive, intimidating, the red dreads, the full cage face mask, the dark visor, the the guy that you send off the bus as your leader. Like that was you for years. And so help me understand, you know, I know I remember the story of your upbringing and just all that you went through. But how did you get to the point as a football player, man, where this nature of I'm going to absolutely dominate whoever steps in front of me? There's a mentality that I go on um, on the field with uh, that I do not carry on the outside of those lines, man. It gets to the point where you have to have a have a I wouldn't even say a dog mentality. I like to use a gorilla because gorillas, you know, once they feel like they're in danger, they just they just bow the fuck up and they protect themselves any type of way that they can. Um, And and they do it without any remorse. So I'm thinking to myself, every time I step on the field, I'm thinking to myself, this man is trying to embarrass me. This man is trying to take food out of the the mouths uh, that I that I have uh, dedicated myself to feed. And if he does that, then I didn't do my job. And then if I come home and I'm like, oh, well, fuck, <laughs> I don't have uh, I don't have anything to give you guys because this man just, you know, he literally just took money out of my pocket. So what I think is I it's either kill or be killed out there, man. And it's in a, in a sense, you guys get what I'm saying, but right. you can't let, you can't let a, a, another animal come into your jungle and expect, and expect to uh, just take over. So I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do what I got to do. And which is uh, pretty much run through a motherfucker's face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and do it that Marshawn Lynch approach and do it over and over and over and over and over <laughs> and over again and then eventually he's got to give up like you said eventually he ain't gonna want you to do it no more what's your go-to move whenever you're you're whooping these guys ass if you had to go if I had to you know, pimp. I mean, it's a mod move. <laughs> I use, I use, man, it's a lot of different things that I use, man. It's just based on the guy that I, uh, that I study for the week. Um, but my go-to move, of course, with me and my, with my height and weight, I'm right now I'm 267. Bull rush, straight speed to power, speed to power. Cause a lot of guys like to underestimate me when they, uh, when they play me, they say, oh, because he's tall, he's six five. He, he doesn't know how to bend his knees. He doesn't know how to get low. Yeah, okay, we'll find out once your chin is in your in your fucking brain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So I got that. That's my that's my go to speed of power. Your career at Louisville obviously uh, is some of the brighter days from a talent standpoint. That just to kind of read off some of these names: Teddy Bridgewater, Sonoris Perry, Damian Copeland, Devonte Parker, Gerald Christian. Just on the offensive side, defensive side. Preston Brown, James Burgess, um, uh, obviously yourself, DeAndre's Mount, Brandon Dunn, Roy Filon, Sean Rankins, Calvin Pryor, Marcus Smith, James Sample, Gerard Holloman, Charles Gaines. The 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 names are, I I, I just like part of me wishes that we could get back to the time machine of having defensive players just turned out like this. What was that like, man? Tell me what that's like being in a building of guys that I mean that's that's 12, 13 guys that played in the that NFL, is iron man. sharpens iron, like man. It makes you want to play. It makes you want to play for these guys, man. Like you see that you're not the only one going out there putting on, putting in the work. Cause again, it can get real uh, frustrating when you're out there and you're giving your all and you see the guy playing next to you and he's not really giving it his all. And then uh, he's the one that wants to speak up and wants to talk and everything. Like, why are you talking? What, what, like you, like I literally just seen you give up on this play. Why should I even follow you? Why should I 
want to play for you. Like, but with these guys, man, the guys that I, that I grew up playing with, these guys made you want to go out there and play harder. It was like a competition to us. Like, all right, yeah, I'm a defensive lineman, but you got Charles Gaines. Like, okay, how many? I guarantee you, I can get more sacks than you can get interceptions. Like, let let, let me know, Gerard Holliman. Like, come on, what's up? What's up, Sam? You want to go out there? They call him the human missile. Like, you want to go out there and, and hit? I guarantee you, I can hit harder than you. And then at the end of the and at the end of each game, you just we watch that film and you're just like, man. This guy's busting his ass right now. So why shouldn't I do that for him if he's doing that for me? What were film film days like, man? Give me like some sneak oh, peek behind man. the scenes with, you know, you, Sheldon Rankins, D'Angelo Brown. I mean, I, you guys had to kind of get on one another. I would have man, to imagine. listen, man, it was a, it was a fucking party. <laughs> <laughs> it was a party, man. Because look, because we know we did good in the, in the game before. So when it's time to get into that meeting room, we had uh, Coach Hurt there uh man coach hurt he he was a he, he was a fool too man he he made sure we had fun um he definitely coached us hard and we wanted to uh again he's another guy that we wanted to play for because again we doing we're going so hard in practice throughout the week we just want that reward for them at the end of the week you know what i'm saying so it was it was it was definitely fun in the meeting rooms we i can't say too much what we got had going on in there but it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was some crazy shit <laughs> Now, I, I got to know, what, what what were those film sessions like whenever you guys were coming off of those rare, rare occasions where, like, you know, the other team, like, did kind of take it to Give me the Central Florida film. Listen, I wasn't going to say it. I was insinuating it. He got real specific. (laughs) Look, man, I mean, over the course of four years, you're losing one or two games a year. I mean, it's hard to pinpoint a loss. Must be nice, Lorenzo. (laughs) He's like, fuck, man. Uh, <laughs> Ten games in one season. A lot season. of dudes. It's a lot of wins. <laughs> I had the Hosman Trophy winner, though. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Oh, we got close. But, um, yeah. Not, uh, that game in fucking Florida State, man. Um, mm. Man, those games where it was close, but then it was just like where they just came in and just after halftime and just fucking took over. Um, the meeting rooms. The, again, you could tell you the air is being sucked out of that room. Like it's like you, you might as well just say all of us are choking right now, and ain't no way you can resuscitate us because was it like one of those Coach Thirty videos where he just got that little laser pointer, like, like yeah. just calling everyone out? Yeah, but but the thing is, <laughs> but the thing is, they never called anybody out. They just pointed the laser and just and then went on to the next play. Meaning, mm-hmm. meaning, like you know what you did, you know what you did, and what you fucked up on this play. Now just bask in it. Point they just point. he'll 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 go in circle, just circle and then circle another guy, circle another guy, and then move on to the next play. I'm like, oh so it's like that circle. hurt that hurt even more even even more. Circling Jeez. with a little silence in between. Yes. Where you have to, you yes. know, because they always say silence fills the room, and you you know, you naturally want to speak to fill that silence, but you have to just bask in the fact that he's just looking, probably staring quite a yeah. hole through you in, in the and back of your him. head, and because the, they always sat behind us in the back of your head, and you feel it, it's burning. And I'm like, ah, I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, but this is when you know it's bad when you walk into the room and then. That's all you hear is. All right, coach yourselves. That that means that means that means they don't want to say shit because if they do, they're gonna they're gonna say some 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 off the wall shit. So it's like uh, you hear the long the long sigh and 
Coach yourselves. Who's the first person to speak up in a coach yourself uh, moment? Who is the first guy to say something? Because, you know, the first guy sometimes is either receptive, you're receptive to it, and it's like, what a leader. And then there's the other guys where you're like, why the fuck is he talking? You're well, definitely getting called an idiot by the coach for sure. First Who word, is the first course, guy yeah. to talk? Yeah. Uh, I never fucking was. Don't, don't. <laughs> That's all that matters. Man. Nobody wanted, nobody wanted that heat. So it's just like, nobody would say anything, but then that's what, will, excuse me, that's what will piss him off or piss them off. Like, nobody's going to say nothing. And then they just lash out on us and then we're like damn all right we're going everybody but we know this before we even walk into the room that's why i say it, you can tell because it like as soon as you walk into that room once you pass that threshold from one room to the other the air is sucked out of that room and you're just like i'm already choking before you even start because it's like oh coach ain't in here yet oh god and then he walks so yeah <laughs> and then he walk he walks in and you're like fuck here we go get ready everybody and I know I ain't the only one thinking this. Everybody's like, oh, here we go. I know I fucked up in that play. I know I fucked up on this play. Oh, the, the running back got past me. Oh, God. All right, I know he's going to put he gonna, he gonna put emphasis on this one. And when that play – and then it's a play where you forget that you did. Ooh. And then it comes up and you're like, no, no. So – no, I, nobody ever spoke up. I'm telling you this now. Like, it, that's, how, that's how intimidating they were. Lozo, we had 10 of those in 2018. We had 10 of those. <laughs> and it's Bro. it's not even just getting beat, man. It's getting yeah, beat by like, 30, 40. You know, the whole you season. Do, no, I, trust me. I, I, I watched. I watched. And uh, <laughs> some of those games didn't get watched all the way through. So, uh, yeah. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. All right. On the other side, we will be back to talk to Lorenzo Mold and continue the conversation. Talk some CFL. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Let's transition a little bit here and let's talk about you finished the season in 2014, which it's interesting. Was there a decision for you to come back? Was there any type of declare early thoughts or was it always we're going to go through 2014, even through the coaching change? Uh, yeah, there was a thought process because once I found out that uh, Coach Coach Strong was leaving, I was just like, OK, I'm not playing for anybody else. And um, and I already knew how the, the coaching change thing went once one coach go. He wants to bring his whole team. He wants to bring his, his coaching staff with him. And um, it was, it was, um, it was weird. It was weird. But third and Grantham now. I mean, Grantham, Grantham, when I heard that Grantham was going to be our new coach, well, I'll be our, like, but then I, this was after I found out that um, I was going to be switched to outside linebacker. So I was just like, ooh, shit. I don't know nothing about outside linebacker. Now too, right? Huh? He's the position coach for that for outside linebackers too, wasn't he? Or is he? Yeah, he was the position coach. So yeah. he was our D coordinator and our and my position coach. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna be watched extra hard this year. Oh, <laughs> and then ish, yeah, ish, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was just weird just to just to get that change. It was just weird. So you you go through that and you come back. You obviously have a great season uh, in 2014. Go on and drafted in the third round. What's that like for Lorenzo Molden to experience being drafted? Man, the emotions that were going on in my head, man, at that time. Um, 
I went from, so I talked to my coach. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it back a little bit just right before. Uh, and I'm going to answer your question, the question before with this one. Uh, I was supposed, I did, I did uh, want to leave early and I did uh, attempt to, but then when I put in my, my draft uh, information and everything, they were basically saying, oh yeah, he's a, uh, he's a late fifth rounder. And I looked at my coach at the time was hurt. And he uh, basically said, yeah, you don't want to leave. You don't want to leave because you're going to be, a, you're, you're projected to go as fifth round. And I'm just like, what? Like, I'm like, I was at one point leading the nation in, in uh, TFLs. Like what, what, what's going on? And, you know, it got, it got to that point where I was like, you know what? Okay, I'll stay. But then he eventually told me he's going to leave and he's taking a job um, in the pros or whatever. So I was just like, okay, well, do your thing. And um, got to play one more year, did what I had to do and um, jumped up, jumped up to a uh, third round. And when I got that, when I got that call, I was drunk. <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I was nervous as hell. Um, I was nervous eating um, at the time that the Jets called me. Uh, I was eating a wing and I didn't know my phone was ringing. Apparently I had my phone on vibrate and it wasn't supposed to be on vibrate. That's oh, how nervous, that's how nervous no. I was. I would have, who's the, who's the GM and head coach combo at that time. Is that, is that Tana uh, Bob and Ryan? No, it was Mike McCagnin. It was Mike McCagnin and, uh, and uh, Mike McCagnin was the GM and uh, Todd Bowles was the head coach. Okay. Ah, and uh, when I called, when they called, uh, it was uh, Mike McCagnin that was on the phone, and uh, he was basically saying, Hey, is this Lorenzo Malden or whatever? And um, I was basically saying, Yeah, and uh, he was basically saying, This is Mike McCagnin, the GM for the New York Jets. And man, when I tell you, he like my my entire body broke down. I had a, I had a good friend next to me, and she was holding, trying to hold me up. Uh, she was a little old thing. She's trying to hold me up, basically saying, oh, go get everybody. This is the call, blah, blah, blah. And uh, talked to Mike for a minute. And then uh, he ended up hand handing the phone to uh, Todd Bowles. And he said, hey, are you excited? We're about to call you in this next pick. And we had the, we had like, it was like three, three or four TVs around. And um, I'm sitting here looking at the screen. I see like, now I'm starting to see people flooding around me and everything and mm. it was about it was about 50 people there and um wow. man it was uh it was it was crazy because the guy that called my name he scorched my name but <laughs> I, I wasn't even paying attention to that because I, I didn't know until after like a couple of days after when i saw the video again but um and, and not to not to just neglect this detail you're drafted right after john miller yeah I mean, back yeah, to back local guys man guys. i mean yeah. i missed like, that what? it was 12 of us that year something like that 11, yeah. 11, yeah it was a lot 11, that year. yeah it was 11 or 12 of us like yeah like right after john miller man he was 81st and i was 82nd man it was uh that was fun man that was fun I'm curious about one thing. What was the feedback like after your junior year? And they say you're only projected to go like what fifth round you said, like mm -hmm. what specifically did they see on your draft tape that said, nah, he's, he's a, he's a day three guy. And you're talking about 10 sacks your junior year. I mean, that, I mean, you, that's the plot, the plot, the peak I, right there. I mean, yeah. you know, in terms of numbers. 
Yeah. Um. To be honest, I, I couldn't have I couldn't tell you to this day what what was going on in, in some of the in the NFL's head at that time. Um. I just know that they probably just didn't. It, it probably was a lot of guys coming out that year. Um. And um. Who's to say that they probably were that, that their their numbers were better than mine at that at that time? Um. I just don't know. Like I just. I just basically just put my head down and just kept going pretty much. So you get to New York, you know, me being a Yankees fan, I have to ask you, what was the New York media like? Everybody always likes to talk about how crazy it is. Aaron Rodgers is about to go through it right now. What what was your taste in New York media like? All I'm going to say is say the right thing and make sure you know what you're saying, because if you don't, they will flip your shit and they will make it their own. Like, because again, that, that you go, they basically anybody that goes to New York, they're throwing you to the wolves. All right. Cause that is probably the biggest media outlet there is when you deal when you're dealing with New York, because New York, I think everything goes through New York when it comes to media and when it comes to the NFL, um, when it comes to pro sports, period. Um, but there were some great people, like there were some great articles, there was some great stuff out there, but if, if a certain thing goes wrong, man, or if you say the wrong thing, they're going to flip that shit or they're going to they're going to magnify what you say wrong just so they can get. I'm not a good I'm not a good media guy. Like when it comes to uh, you're doing great right now. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> I mean, because I'm, I'm talking to you guys, because these are people these are people that I don't know. You, uh, you guys, um, anybody that's in Louisville, you guys know how much I've done for this city, how much I've uh how much uh, I'm a, I love this city and everything, but when it comes to someone's job and they're trying and they're not getting what they want, they're trying to back you in a corner. Yeah, I mean, essentially, pretty much, pretty much. If yeah. they're not getting what they want, they're going to try and they're going to scratch, claw, and fucking dig in order to get what they want. And once they do, they're going to flip it. They're going to turn it. They're going they're going to burn it, and then they're going to put it on a piece of paper. What was the the biggest thing you learned from the NFL? Obviously, you dealt with some injuries in in the two years that you were with the Jets, um, and, and really not even just you know hand, ankle, ACL. You're talking about neck, back, very serious you know issues. And for you, a guy really kind of a, a warrior for Louisville football, played in a lot of games, didn't miss a ton. Uh, so I would imagine that for you, injury was somewhat new. So what was that like for you? And what did you learn about yourself and, uh, uh, you know, how to deal with adverse situations for being a professional at that point? Um, the thing about the NFL is um, it's a what have you done for me lately league. Um, and if you can't perform and you can't do what these people are paying you to do, uh it's I call I like to call the NFL a meat market. Pretty much, it's once meat goes bad, they throw it out and they bring in new meat, and they can't really do anything with the old meat. So what they're going to do is you can't refurbish old meat. So you pretty much get just get hopped around, hopped around, hopped around. So with the thing of the injury thing is when I got injury bugs and it was like serious injuries. Um, when it was small injuries, I fought through them. Um, it, I couldn't, I couldn't like just lay down, um, once I got punched in the face, you know what I mean? Um, it was the whole thing of like really trying to fight through these injuries, but the big injuries, um, I, I, I try my best to get back as fast as I could, especially with the last injury that I had with the jets. 
um, with the back with the back surgery and everything. But um, there is it, it's all start. It, it all starts up here, man. It starts in your head because a lot of guys I see a lot of guys get injured and they they go in the tank, man, and they hold on to that injury and they and they let it and they let it fester. But uh, it was one of those one of those situations where it's either you be done or you get up and just keep fighting. I remember you something that you tweeted out somewhat recently kind of stuck out to me. You said something to the effect of like, oh, I get questions all the time. Of like, oh, why aren't you in the NFL? You're doing so well in the CF- what, CFL. And you, I think verbatim is what you said, like, oh, the NFL doesn't want me. D- mm-hmm. do, you, do you think the injuries played like the majority of that? Or was there is there something more to that? Do, were they not satisfied with your production, your style of play, anything else? Like, uh, I definitely think it was the interesting because my style of play, like, Come on, like my first year, I got what six sacks. Like, I mean, what else you want from a rookie? Like, I proved to you that I can I can pass rush. I proved to you that I can stop the run. Um, And I believe that it was the injury bug. It was the injury bug. Like they just say, like, oh, this guy has too many injuries or whatever. But and I and I completely understand that. So like when I say that the NFL doesn't want me, that is the reason why they see that. Oh, this is a thirty year old. Uh, 30-year-old football player who uh, who has a history in injuries, but uh, why go with that when we can just pick a younger guy who who has less injuries in the draft and continue to uh, uh, mold him into the player that we want? Um, I always look at it as like, man, if you're trying to win right now, pick me the hell up. <laughs> Not, don't yeah. don't just don't just wait. Don't just wait. Uh, you see the uh, the young kid from um, uh, 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 Dallas, um, Micah Parsons. Yeah, Parsons. Like he's a he's a he's one of those players where he's a young kid and he comes in and he just fucking takes off. Like you get those, and then like you you see that mentality, and then now all the coaches want that. You know what I mean? So it's like okay, well we have this uh this veteran uh player that is still productive he's still ready to go um but is the probability of him going down high or is it is he's going if he's is he going to make it through the uh, entire season that's what that's what it is but then you see the kid Parsons still got hurt like this game is not it's not there's no exception to being hurt like anything can happen you seen the the, the top pass rusher uh Bosa like he got hurt <laughs> <laughs> like He's been hurt multiple years i believe that's what i'm yep. saying so like i mean it's just i don't know it's just the did i pull the right uh stick at the time did i get the short end of the stick or did i get the long stick and apparently this year i got the short stick so i mean i'm not worried about it like look i just got 17 sacks in the cfl like, I, that's why i say i don't care if whether i play in the cfl or in the nfl it's football like and i'm still getting paid to do what i love like so whether they want me or not I, I love that. And that's a great transition. Let's talk about April 1st, 2019, about that range. Maybe you were talking a little earlier, March 2019, mm. you get a phone call. Somebody says, Hey, this is, you know, Jeffrey or some Canadian name from Hamilton, <laughs> Canada. We want to talk to you about coming to sign with the Hamilton tiger cats. Yeah. Put hey. me in the brain of Lorenzo <laughs> Malden in that moment, the, the Hamilton tiger cats. I'm going to be honest with you. What'd you think uh, about the Hamilton Tiger Cats? I said, I said the who? <laughs> and, and I said, you want me to play? And you want me to play where? 
They said we just had Johnny Manziel. You have to know who we are. No, but the, <laughs> once Johnny Manziel left the Browns, everybody was like, where did he go? Canada. <laughs> he went to Hamilton, man. Where is where Hamilton? Yeah, for, our, for our friends that don't know where a map is, where is Hamilton, Canada? Where would they find Ham- Hamilton? Hamilton is in Ontario, uh, Ontario, Canada. Um, it is near, it is 45 minutes away from Toronto. Really? Okay. Well, look at that. Yes. We're getting a little, little geography lesson tonight on the yes. show, fellas. Yes. They call you and what do they say, man? To give me their Basically, pitch. Um, it was more of a, it was more of an email type thing. It was like, Hey, we, uh, we're having, um, workouts here. Uh, I believe it was in Texas at the time we're having workouts in Texas. Uh, you should come out and, um, we're interested. We have your rights or whatever. So, uh, this isn't word for word, but we have your well, hold rights. On, hold on. How, how do they get the rights? What? I, how many? Listen, look, how I, does I, that I, happen? I mean, is there my pay grade? <laughs> Somebody calls you up and they say, "Sir, we now yeah, like they." I, I, I'm, plus, I'm wondering how does the Canadian Football League have workouts in Texas? Shouldn't they have them in Canada? Man, listen, I, like I guess based off of based off of uh, I guess for the American players, um, they hold oh, yeah. tryouts in in um in the United States, um, but um. I didn't say, but um, I talked to my agent at the time, which is Cameron Hahn. Um, I basically, um, coming off that injury uh, in 2018, um, I just wanted to jump back. I put my last game with the Jets was uh, against the Eagles preseason. They're pretty good there. Got a pass breakup. I actually in coverage, got a pass breakup. Yeah. And I, te- yeah, and I, I was covering a running back and got him and, um, I think I did pretty good coming off the back surgery, man. Like, like I just got a whole disc shaved out of my back, like, <laughs> and I'm back out here running the next year. So um, I didn't think that they would cut me, but I realized that it would cut me because of uh, all the inside bullshit that was going on. But. Um, and I remember they, watching this guy rehab back like that whole time, like, yeah. mind you, he'd be at Louisville a lot of times, y'all, and he would be in yeah. there. And like, I remember when he first cut his dreads, and I remember we're all like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. I did, I did a lot of my rehab at Louisville. Yeah. I did all, I did a lot of my rehab at Louisville. Um, definitely came back home to, to get that because I felt like they, they got me through four years of damn football. So why not come back to you know come back to to the love i'd say kyle and them did a good job kyle kyle and that staff man they they're they are immensely good at what they do man and that's why kyle's in the in the pros right now you know doing his thing um he definitely brings around a uh a good a good staff to be able to make sure that uh the players are up and ready to go so you did get to see two and ten firsthand <laughs> yeah 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 I did. It would have been a good preseason game, bro. We could have used you. You could have just threw out somebody's shit and went out there one game. <laughs> it's like, who's that guy? No, don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. If that's all they wouldn't know. Yeah. Is it NFL, NFL edge rusher? No, we don't need him right now. We good. Back, back to the CFL, bro. So you go from uh, Hamilton to Ottawa. Right? Yeah. So how did uh, that? How did that go? That was um. So Hamilton, of course, um, they had their guys when I signed to them. They had their defensive ends. They uh, they, So over there, they're considered defensive ends and not outside linebackers. But if you were to bring them out here, they're outside linebackers because we stand up, we uh, we drop in coverage, um, and we go forward. Um, But um, I didn't have any – I didn't really have a lot of opportunity to play on the field. Like, I was a guy – like, I was a rookie coming into the NFL again. 
Um, they pretty much just threw me in there. They splashed me around. We talked about this on yes. Friday too. They yes. asked you to carry pads. Yeah, like <laughs> they asked me to do. Uh, they asked me to do what rookies do on a regular basis. I said, "Y'all have lost your ever loving minds. You have, you have, like you lost everything, including your minds. Because there's no way that I'm about to do this all over again. You crazy? And I, I've been playing longer than some of y'all. Like I ain't going for that. And uh. Again, like I didn't get my chance, so I was there for two years, and I'm not going to count um, uh, 2020 because we didn't get a chance to play. Um, and then 2021 came around, and I just told him, like, hey, okay, I'll play, but, you know, I have to be on the field. And, they, again, they had me on nothing but special teams. And I'm like, listen, I'm 206. At the time, I was like 260. I'm 260. I should not be running down on kickoff. I'm 260. I should not be on punt. <laughs> I'm 260. I should not be running around on special teams. The most special teams that I should be doing is on kickoff. I mean, on uh, uh, KOR. Right. Yeah. Blocking down. Blocking or whatever. That way I ain't doing too much running. And then I pulled my hamstring because I pulled my hamstring on uh, on kickoff. And it's cold as shit. And I go out and I pull my hamstring. I said, see, this is why the fuck I'm getting the hell out of here. (laughs) I'm getting the hell out of here, man. And, uh, Free agency came up and um, our GM actually was the personnel guy that was at Hamilton. He ended up becoming the GM for Ottawa. And he said, you know what? I saw your, I saw your grit. Um, I saw, I saw your grind and everything over at Hamilton. And I want you to come over here. And uh, you know what? I just ran with him because he was the reason why I went over to Hamilton. You Because he, he saw me, he said, Hey, we want him to come over here. So um, I went where the trust was and uh, we went through camp. Ottawa Red Blacks, and um, I was deemed the starter. What's a, for us Americans that don't understand the Canadian Football League culture, what's a tradition that you've learned about in Canadian Football League that you can share with us here? So the thing about the Canadian Football League, they have their own rules. They have uh, their own type of culture. Um, it, it is a great culture, actually, because um, you get so many different types of players um, from all over the world, man. It's and I've played with French players. I've played with Jamaican players. I've played with uh, 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 Russian players. Like it's it's like it's 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 like a it's it's crazy. It's crazy, man. So it's like the thing about the Grey Cup. The Grey Cup is nothing but the uh, Canadian Super Bowl, and the Grey Cup and the tradition that the Grey Cup brings, man. It's like it's like none other. Like yeah, you know about the Super Bowl and. The Super Bowl is this, this, and that. But how these teams, you got nine teams that are fighting for one for one trophy. And you got to play these teams over like three times over in a game. I mean, in a season. So it's like, it sounds, it sounds a bit strange and weird, but then it sounds easy, but it's not easy because it's like basically a boxer going to fight the same boxer three times in a week. Right. Like you're going to know tackle. Yeah. I mean, that's over 200. Yeah. You're going to know, he's going to know every move that this man is making. He's going to know. So it it makes it harder each week to be able to go out and be like, Oh man, I got to play the same dude. I worked this move against him. Will it work again the next week? And it usually doesn't. (laughs) So now you got to switch it up and be like, okay, and now I got to work this other move the entire week. Cause if it don't work, I'm, but speaking of that, you were talking, you talked to me a little bit on Friday about how far off the ball you line 
you line yeah, up and so, how that's different compared to American football. Explain that. Yeah. So, I mean, this just sounds terrible. You guys picture that. <laughs> <laughs> it is terrible, but I've, I've gotten, I've gotten the hang of it, man. When I first got over there, they told us that we, um, so in the NFL, we line up literally, we can line up along the line, nose on the ball. Basically we like to say corral the ball pretty much. And uh, you see guys leaning, 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 trying to trying to get as close as they can to the ball. But in the Canadian Football League, we have to line up one yard off the ball. So, yeah. So our takeoff, we if we're past that one yard, we're considered offsides. Yeah. And what? the receiver and the receivers and the receivers kind of fuck us up on the end because they can they get a head start running. I don't know if you guys yeah. have seen it. Yeah, you get the get, little the I've seen that, that yeah. The loop de loop. Yeah. Yeah. So like they so they start behind, they start behind the quarterback and they get a head start to be able to run. So every time I see them get close, I used to use that as my my tail to be able to get off the ball. But if you do that, now they can run up to the ball, but they can not, they can literally run up to the level of the ball and stop and then and then restart and restart from where they where they uh where they were so that used to be my tail but then i used started using that and i'm just like ah yeah no they just that was a uh that was a cadence call and then boom i'm off size so being that yard off the ball how much does that help on your pass rush or does it not help at all um, it it kind of so for me, um, for me for a speed to power type of guy, it helps me out with speed to power. Um, because again, it gives me that extra step to be able to build up more speed to be able to actually give the guy what he's what he's not asking for. But um, it also gives it also gives the offense alignment a lot more time to think. So it's again, it's a it's a it's a bit of a it's a fifty fifty type of thing. But then also the CFL is considered a uh, offensive league. The reason why I say that is because again, you giving receivers head starts. The field is, I, I don't quote me on this, but it's it's <laughs> fifteen yards, thirty yards wider than a regular NFL field. The end zone, Jeez. the end zone is is twenty yards instead of ten. And the field goal post is in front of the end zone instead of in the back of the end zone. Oh my gosh. Scott I cannot imagine playing some coverage with all that, that shit. All that room to run outside zone. Right. So like <laughs> the, that's what I say. Like, no, hell no. That's and then you have to be, you have to be. So a lot of people I come back home and they say, Man, you've lost weight. Yeah, I gotta lose weight <laughs> because if I don't, <laughs> my big ass ain't gonna be able to run up and down that field trying to trying to uh tackle somebody that runs a four-three a four, two, and I'm trying to uh, catch up. I, I tell, I tell my wife all the time, if there's a man on the opposite side of the field, what do you expect me to do for that? What do you want me to do? <laughs> that is such a D lineman <laughs> answer. Bro. That's, oh a, my God. that's what I'm saying. Like, what do you want? What do you want me to do with that? Offensive like, line I, saying the same I'm thing. Trying, yes, exactly. I'm trying to save myself for the next play. Like I, I uh, yeah, I do it in practice just so I can keep my, my, uh, so I can, uh, so I can be in shape and everything. And I do it sometimes in the game too, like uh, where I'm just like, I, I just say balls out, balls to the wall. Like I, I have to go get him because if somebody doesn't tackle him, I want to be the one to tackle. Him. So I end up doing it in the games, but um, that's why I had to lose weight. When I first got there, I was like, fuck no, I'm not doing that. 
what the hell? <laughs> I said, ow, my lungs. <laughs> I can't, I can't and then I said, make another uh, a hamstring pop if I try to do something like that. Tell me about off the field streaming has become kind of, I've been following you on Twitter for a while now, but that's become the thing that I see you tweeting about the most. What is this, the streaming that you've gotten into? Tell me about how you've taken interest in that. And then how has that developed into other ventures and, and interest off the field for you? Uh, so right now I'm on Twitch and Kick. They're both uh, platforms where we can stream gaming, where we can stream uh, whether like today I streamed on um, just uh, some comedians. Uh, we did some comedian watching and everything. We watched Bernie Mac and Bert Keish. I can't think Bert of Bert Kessler. Yeah, yeah, the machine. Yeah, the machine. The machine. <laughs> yeah, the machine. I watched the machine today. And uh, basically it's just uh, I play video games all the time, man, during the off season. And like I got a lot of downtime and I just wanted to uh, do something that uh, – that I've always wanted to do, you know, I mean, you get paid to play video games and you get paid to just be yourself, you know? So, um, I had a good friend that's here in Kentucky, um, um, that pretty much was into that stuff. And, um, I saw him on Twitter one day and I was just like, Oh, I want to get into that. I play games. Like, why not just, I mean, <laughs> why not get into it? Yep. Yeah. Like, so, um, it was, um, it's, it was one of those things where I just wanted to do something and I got into it and people just started loving me and, and it, it became a thing. So, like, uh, definitely um, wanted to uh, uh, put that out there. And um, I, I pretty much do a, a personal fitness stuff. Um, I'm a, a personal trainer during the offseason. And um, I actually named my business after the Cardinals, uh, Iron Cardinal Fitness and Training. And um, I uh, always thought, like, man, I've been playing, what, over – 12 over 12 years of football man why not use all the information that i've learned over those years and put it back out there like help the younger kids get to where i am today you know and then because i never had it myself so like i always wanted to like uh push all the information because there's a lot of people out there it's a lot of athletes out there that want to withhold information i don't know why but uh because i believe they're, they're afraid of of showing or afraid of the protege or whoever to come up and you know take their spots but at the end of the day you got to give it up sometime and why not why not share that information so uh that's pretty much it man i i'm i'm family man i'm a family man in the off season i'm uh i'm soon to be a a, a father of two and um girl dad yeah, times two yeah girl dad girl dad times two man girl dad times two and um so... i'm gonna be raising a little venus serena and <laughs> Venus there you and go, man. Serena in, in, the, in, in the tennis world, man. There's nothing better than being a girl dad. One can attest over here. All right, let's jump into the end of the show. Rapid fire now. We'll run through some questions. We've got nine questions, so three for each of us. Uh, and we'll start, right. start at the top here, okay? So I, I want you, first thing that comes to mind, no, no thinking on this, okay? Okay. Rapid fire, starting at the top. Coach who yelled the most at, at Louisville overall. Coach who yelled the most. Bobby. <laughs> that, was that was a rhetorical question but it's okay it's all right, it's all right. What, what is the football game that you'll never forget any level florida yeah fair enough yeah the coach who has the biggest impact on you shit oh fuck oh 
Petrino. I mean, uh, Hurt. Coach Hurt. Coach Hurt. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. That's <laughs> I was saying not Petrino. Petrino for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> who's the teammate you loved going up against every single day in practice at UofL? We'll be very specific here. Teammate you loved going up against every day at UofL? Jamon Brown. Who's the teammate that you dreaded going up against every day? Kessler. Is it, is it, uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, it was Kessler. Kess, like, yeah, big Kessler. Kessler, he was the uh, offensive tackle. I think I know who you're talking about. I think I know too, yeah. <laughs> no clue, that but like, that's great, man. That was like yeah. my, yeah, that was like my <laughs> freshman year, man. My friend, like, he was, the, he was the one that punched me in the chest for the first time. Welcome to college. Oh. Welcome to college football. Oh, who, yeah. who gave you your welcome to football yeah, moment? Yeah. Big, <laughs> All right, tall, who's, long motherfucker. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> who's the funniest teammate you had at Louisville? Oh man, come on, man! You can't give me that one. Oh shit! Uh, it's a it's a tie, man. It was a tie between. <sighs> Fuck, that's hard. That's hard. It seems like it you was... had some options, though. Yeah, I mean, I would to say, be thinking this long between, on this. I would say between Gaines and Charles Gaines. Uh, Got to be a DB for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. They're, they're always the, the the I call them little chihuahuas. They're just fucking. They're all just fucking all over the place <laughs> and just barking just for no fucking reason, like just making noise. <laughs> Quarterback overthrows the ball by ten yards. I made the play. <laughs> I did that. What is your? I did that. What is your favorite province in Canada? Ooh, I have to say Ottawa. Ottawa is the so a little a little uh history on Ottawa. Ottawa is the capital of Ontario or the capital of, of Canada, I believe. Yeah, I saw that. I was like the, yeah. the capital of the country. Yeah, but the cap. Yeah. I don't know. Look, I'm back and forth. I don't know. It's the I don't it's, know, the, man. The, the, it's either the the capital of the country or the capital of Ontario. I, <laughs> Y'all sound like the little kid on Talladega Nights, <laughs> Washington D.C. <laughs> <laughs> Ottawa's pretty dope, man. Um, but it's a it's a close between uh, BC as well, too. Gotcha. All right. In the same breath, what what's the Canadian saying you use the most? Eh. <laughs> I just that just seems too like easy. Eh? Like they, that okay, time? I gotta ask: Is that do they actually say that very often? Yeah, because I've never been do. to Canada. Yeah, they know. do. Yeah, so uh, it's it's more of a it's more of a uh, oh you had a good you had a good game today, eh? Like it's more of a a like meaning it's a question. Yeah, there's it's a there, question. Yeah. Did you take that as a slight? Like the first time that you had like an average game, a game where you're like oh, I didn't play that well with somebody like oh Lorenzo, you had a good game, eh? Like yeah, like yeah, <laughs> like, yeah they, can they can use it like that. That's what I'm saying. So it's different. It's like a conjugation thing where you can use it so many different ways. Stab you right in the back with one of those A's, man. <laughs> never know. Yes. <laughs> well, you live here part of the year, but the part of the year that you're in Canada, what do you miss the most about Louisville? The people, man. You can't, you can't like the people are what make the city, man. It's like you got the restaurants, you got the food, you got the the ambiance, but it's the people more than anything, man. Because at the end of the day, you don't you don't have nothing if you don't have uh, the the connections. Absolutely love it. That's gonna wrap us up here on from the Pink Seats podcast, episode one of Where Are They Now, Lorenzo Molden. Canadian Football League, eh? That's that's the theme of the show here. MVP, eh? Friend, yeah. defensive yeah. player of the year. You, you want some poutine, eh? <laughs> and, it, and it's not poutine, it's poutine. Getting a little geography uh, answer. Yeah, that, that, look, I was calling it poutine. 
<laughs> freely. This wouldn't be the first food lesson Matt's had on the show, Lorenzo. He's a. <laughs> if you saw a picture of his bean dip chili, you would be very disappointed. Oh, it's fucking oh, delicious. Man, we always got to <laughs> oh, go there. But that's going to wrap us up here from the Pink Seeds Podcast, Lorenzo Molden. Thank you so much, my friend, and best of luck to you this year. Yeah, I appreciate y'all. Thank you so much, man. Don't change the queue. We've got more great content for you here on From the Pink Seats Podcast. Where are they now? We roll right into episode two with former Louisville football defensive lineman and current associate athletic director at Gonzaga, Devon Thomas. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you on the other side. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.